So the first reading is taken from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 25. And you can find this on page 1070 in the Bibles beside you or on the screen behind me. John 6, beginning at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake... They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give? that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 to the end of the chapter. And this may be found on the screen behind me, or on page 1181 of the Church Bible. Paul, Philippians, chapter 4, verse 10. Thanks for their gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. You had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me and aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more to be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. I know that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Lord, open my mouth to speak your word. Open our ears to hear it. Our hearts to receive it. And strengthen our wills to obey it. For Jesus Christ's sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, as we draw to the close of this current preaching series um, on the Christ-centered life, and I don't know whether you had looked ahead at the readings that conclude the letter to the Philippians. Um, I'm sure you did. I'm sure we were all keen. I won't ask for a show of hands. But you may have looked and seen the headings for each of those sections The first one says, thanks for their gifts. And the last one, final greetings. And you might have been forgiven for thinking, oh, well, this is just St. Paul tying up the loose ends in the way that you might do with any letter. Um, Thank you for the Christmas gifts that you sent. Um, I've worn the the ghastly jumper you sent every day um, since. Um, And thank you for the socks. Um, hope to visit you at such and such a time. Don't forget to put the cat out or feed the dog. Um, but in fact, there's something hidden in this passage which is of enormous value to us. And it's a secret. But it's an open secret. And I don't know whether you're um, the type of person who enjoys um, hearing a secret. I guess most of us are. 
And when somebody says, would you like to know a secret? We automatically lean in, don't we? So can I invite you, not physically, but can I invite you to lean in this morning? To lean into God's word because there's something very fundamentally important that Paul shares with us here in this passage this morning. Paul says this in verses 11 and 12, and we're looking on page 1181 here. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I don't know about you, but I think that's a secret I, too, would like to learn. And Paul speaks here with great authority, because if there was anybody who had known the highs and lows of life, who had had times of great rejoicing and great suffering, it was St. Paul. Writing to the Corinthians in his second letter, and you can find this if you want to follow on page 1165. 2 Corinthians 11, he says this, verse 25. He said, three times I was beaten with rods, Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I don't know about you, but if I were choosing a companion to go on a a sea cruise with, I'm not sure Paul would be my first choice. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, In the city, in the country, at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Wow. I don't know about you, but um, whether or not you are married or have been married... Um, I guess most of us, even if we haven't attended a wedding service personally, will be quite familiar maybe from the TV um, or films with the words of the wedding service, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Um, There's a lovely story told about a wise old vicar who was um, meeting with a young couple deeply in love, who wanted him to perform their wedding. And in a course of conversation with them, um, they said, and we've never had a crossword. And he smiled at them and he said, come back and speak to me when you've had your first row. And I guess in wisdom, he'd recognized that the love that had carried them while they were on the crest of a wave would also need to carry them through the troughs and through the choppy waters that they would encounter. 
And for most of us, as we've heard the words in the wedding service, um, whilst the riches may not have been imagining um, a huge lottery win, and health may have not meant in our minds a day without um, sickness or a week off work, I guess we didn't also think of grinding poverty or unemployment or long-term sickness. And yet that's the day-to-day experience of many people. So what Paul has to say here is of fundamental importance. Richard Wurmbrandt, a very well-known author, who wrote the book called Tortured for Christ, amongst other things, spent 14 years in prison, in communist prison cells, being tortured much of that time for his faith. Three years he spent in a subterranean cell, 30 feet under the ground, in solitary confinement. Somebody else who could speak with authority about whether it's possible to know real contentment. And he said this, he said, if you want to walk across a bridge, it doesn't give you confidence necessarily to see a cat walk across ahead of you. But if you see a 10-ton truck make the journey, it will probably carry your weight. And can I suggest that what we learn from what St. Paul has written here and from many Christians is that God can bear our weight. In his letter to Timothy, Paul writes this. He says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I don't know your personal circumstances. Perhaps you long for this kind of contentment. You long for peace, for freedom from guilt, from the grip of sinful or addictive habits, from the gnawing anxiety that plagues you, from fear of death, fear of others, fear of yourself, maybe fear of the past or of the future. This is something that speaks very fundamentally into our hearts. So let's look further on and see what Paul says. He says he learned to be content. And he learned through the things that he had been through. And what he'd learned is in the verse after the one we just read in Galatians, in verse 13. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This isn't something we can achieve by ourselves. It's him who gives us the strength. We find the strength in God. And the strength comes from knowing the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And John says, we love him because he first loved us. What incredible love. 
because this is the love that gives to the will what it would not have the strength to offer on its own. And there is no other love that is as powerful as that. In verse 19, Paul makes it clear that this is not just for him. He is speaking to everybody who will trust and believe in God. And he says this. He said, My God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. But it does pose the question, doesn't it, as he begins to expose to us the secret that we've leaned in in our hearts to listen to, that this is relying on the riches of Christ, which are endless, which are vast. With apologies for those who have heard this story, but there's a well-known story told about a novice monk who, in joining the monastery, after a few months, felt he was getting nowhere with his vocation. So he spoke to the novice master about it, and the novice master said, well, from everything you've told me, I can't see where things are going wrong. I mean, you're joining in the services every day, you're praying and reading your Bible in your, your cell, maybe we should go and talk to the prior. So they went to visit the prior, and the prior similarly was baffled and didn't know what the answer was. So finally they said, well, perhaps you should speak with the abbot. So um, he went to speak with the abbot, and the abbot listened carefully and said, well, I'm baffled. I don't really know why you're not finding any success in your vocation. He said, all I can suggest is perhaps you should pray and um, I should pray and we'll come back together and see what God might have spoken to us. So that was decided and the monk left the cell and just as he was leaving, the abbot said, brother, just hold on one moment. He said, what's that chinking sound? And the monk stopped and put his hand into this pocket and pulled out two silver coins. And he said, oh, do you mean these? And the abbot said, what are those? And he said, oh, that's um, my pension, in case it doesn't work out. I'm not trying to suggest by sharing that story with you that we're called, all of us, to a life of extreme monastic poverty. Far from it. But it does speak to us of where we look for our contentment? Where do we find our security? Where do we find our satisfaction? And for that matter, most importantly, where do we find our salvation, our future hope? But it's clear from what Paul says in talking about contentment that this is not an on-off switch. Paul himself had to learn this. He said, I've learned in every circumstance. And God will teach us through the highs and lows and joys and sorrows, through delight as well as through pain and through loss. And only because we have known God through those circumstances do we have the authority and the credibility as Paul had to speak to those who are in those situations and say, my God 
will supply all your needs. The themes of this are picked up in a prayer which many of you, I'm sure, will have heard before, prayer of St. Augustine. And it may be appropriate for use this as our prayer as we close this morning. Almighty God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Grant us purity of heart and strength of purpose, that no selfish passion may hinder us from knowing your will, and no weakness hinder us from doing it, but that in your light we may see light and in your service find perfect freedom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.